Hey y'all, this is Amy. When Meg and I decided to record this information for Jean Benet, we didn't realize it was gonna be so much information. So when we finished our recording, it was almost two hours long. So I split it up into two pieces. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, please stop now and go back and listen to episode 10, which would be part one for Jean Benet. We will start this episode with the autopsy. Thanks. Hey y'all, this is Amy. And this is Meg. And we're 1096 Crime Chicks. And Meg is my new co-host. Hey, y'all. Meg and I have been friends for many, many years. And she decided to sign up and help me with the podcast. So excited, y'all. I'm a total true crime nerd, so this is like a dream come true. So excited. I know. I'm very excited, too. We've had many, many conversations about many, many cases. So. But particularly this one. This is like my pet case, so I can't wait to get started. Yes. Yeah, so, do you want... Tell everybody what we're doing. I would love to. So we are doing John Benet Ramsey. Yay. This so is sad. this is the hard part. I mean, this is this is the hard part of the podcast that I would not want young children to listen to because it's just it's the details and they're terrible. Well, and this I know is kind of my own personal story, but I can't imagine as a, a parent having a six year old having to go through an autopsy. When my mom passed away, they gave us the option, and we just couldn't do it. Yeah. We did not want her, even though she was not still attached to her body, we right. did not want them to cut her open. Just the thought. Yeah. It's too much. It is. It's too much. And, I mean, John has already buried a daughter. Like, I just... And I think we can't forget that about Burke, either. I tabled Burke. I know I tabled Burke. But you know what? At this point, I mean, he's nine, and he has literally already watched his father grieve horrifically, buried a sister who he, I mean, had to become acquainted with death and burying his sister, who he was close to. I mean, they all stayed close. And then watched his mom almost die and had already lived through the fear for a year of his mom dying and see her bald and skinny and they thought she was dying. So Burke is nine, but he's not an innocent, sweet nine-year-old. He's sweet, but who has been shielded from the world. Right. He is already intimately acquainted. Intimately acquainted with suffering. Right. So that was that was back on Burke. But just all of that to say that that we needn't forget that. I don't know how we got back on Burke. Sorry. It's okay. Anyway. So the was talking about we were talking about John and what John had already been through, had already buried a daughter, now is facing burying another one, and is facing that she's gonna have to be autopsy. The police right. are oh, clearly she had to be autopsied. They didn't have a choice in the matter, but it was I'm sure devastating to them. Yes. To think about her having to be autopsied. So the famous pineapple, yeah, the famous bowl of pineapple. And this is one, I'll be honest, that I can't quite make sense of in my head. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I can't make sense of the bowl of pineapple. So there's a bowl of pineapple found on a table at the Ramsey's. Apparently pineapple and a little bit of milk. This is a snack they ate. Like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Poured a little milk in with the pineapple. It's just like diced up pineapple, like that you'd find in a can. You know, just like pineapple tidbits or whatever with a little bit of milk a bowl and a spoon they love to point out that both patsy and burke's 
fingerprints were on the bowl. Um, but that's stupid. duh. They that, live in the house. That's stupid. They have both carried that bowl and that glass God knows how many times. I am positive my fingerprints are on 90% of the dishes in my home. If you yeah. took them out of my cabinet, my fingerprints are on them. If I handed them to my child, my fingerprints are on them. There are very few, I think, pieces of dishes or spoons or anything in my home that do not have my fingerprints on them. And Burke also ate pineapple as a snack frequently and not weird. Well, and let's not forget, too. I mean, this was Christmas Day, right. the day before. Right. So... You have been insanely busy, you know, in and out, in and out, going to parties, da da da. That could have been left over from two days Three ago. Three days, absolutely. I mean, Three days you're ago. so crazy yes. busy. You don't think about Patsy it. was not well known as keeping her house super tidy. They did have a housekeeper, of course, which ooh, we'll talk more about her later as well. Amy will tell you more about the housekeeper. So they had a housekeeper. So, I mean, generally, their house looked great. I mean, it was a show home, but several sources say, and even John said, like she was not a fastidious housekeeper and like their bedroom in that area where the, you know, where the maid generally didn't go a lot. She just kept it kind of messy. She tossed clothes on the floor or whatever. So the maid hadn't been there in a few days cause it was Christmas. So totally not weird if just a bowl gets left out for a few days. She sounds totally like me because <laughs> my personal life, I am yeah. so unorganized. Yeah. My work life. Yeah. I mean, you could, I could tell you where to find something that's right there. Exactly. On the holidays, all your kids are home. You're getting ready for a trip. You're getting ready for a party. You're packing, you're wrapping Christmas gifts. To me, a bowl on a table in a room, in another room, it would be the least of my worries. Yeah. I wouldn't think about it. Absolutely. There was pineapple in it. So when they do the autopsy, and these are the exact words from the autopsy, the doctor said there were fragments of a yellow to light green tan apparent vegetable or fruit material which may represent pineapple or and here's my thing or may not so and believe it or not i don't know the answer to this question but do the doctors that do the autopsy like the medical examiners do they have pictures of evidence from the crime scene i mean right so does he already know that they have seen this bowl of pineapple sure and now, oh that does look like come to think of it that looks like pineapple yeah because i mean it was yellow to green to tan i mean they also give three colors of it and they also aren't sure enough that they said it's a vegetable or fruit material right i mean how many vegetables or fruits can be light green tan yellow I can think of several. Several. Uh, And to me, if she had eaten it right before her death, because they say, you know, kind of the thought is the killer fed it to her, which is still weird. mm -hmm. Why does any killer or a parent before they kill a child or a brother before they kill a child or anyone say, do you want to sit down for a bowl of pineapple? Yeah. She wouldn't have wanted to. It's not happening. She was tired. She had eaten dinner. She was exhausted. And she doesn't even want to sit down and eat pineapple. And they don't force her to eat pineapple. Why would they force her? Right. My thought still is, say she's killed at, I don't know, clearly she's killed somewhere between 10 and 6. And actually the autopsy did kind of say they couldn't pinpoint an exact time of death. So they even said it was somewhere between like 10 and 6. So the autopsy was not very helpful in pinpointing a time of death. But my thought is, if say she's killed at 2 in the morning. If she ate pineapple right prior to that, wouldn't it be more obvious that it was pineapple? It didn't have time to digest. Exactly. Yeah, if she'd eaten it 30 minutes before she died or 20 minutes before she died. And my thought, it looks like pineapple. They mm-hmm. say she ate pineapple. Right. Meanwhile, they were at the White's house at this Christmas party. And who know? I mean, come on. If it's a big Christmas party, yes, it you was know huge. there is food 
everywhere. They were rich, and apparently there was a huge smorgasbord of food there. Seafood, Patsy remembers her eating shrimp. There was seafood and tons of fresh fruits and veggies, all sorts of fruits and veggies. So... To me, if she ate something like that at, I don't know, six, seven, eight o'clock, by the time she died, it would just look like a yellow, light green tan fruit or vegetable. Right. If she ate it 30 minutes before she died, I'm calling that it looks like pineapple. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't know, the autopsy, I I don't know where the bowl of pineapple came from. I mean, clearly it came from the Ramsey home. Those were the only fingerprints found on it. But I'm not buying that a killer fed her pineapple or forced her to eat pineapple or that her mom decided to kill her and made her eat pineapple. Right. And like the Ramsey said, the Ramseys were like, if we remembered exactly where that pineapple came from, we would tell you. Right. We, or if we're trying to hide something, we would just be like, oh yeah, we gave that to her when we got home. Mm-hmm. They'd be honest. Why would they not be honest about that? Because sure, we gave it to her before we got home and they found pineapple in her stomach and that's where it's from. Right. They'd be honest They'll, about they're it. They're telling you about everything else. Right. Why are they going to... They know? wouldn't hide... Right. The pineapple. The pineapple does not point them to guilty. They wouldn't think like, anyway, to me, they would yeah. non-evidentiary, if right. you ask me. So the final cause of death, according to the autopsy, was asphyxia by strangulation and... Craniocerebral injuries. So like head injuries, brain injuries. Right. Getting hit over the head or falling and hitting your head. Yes. Skull fracture. She also had brain bruising and bleeding on the brain. So significant head injuries. So the Boulder police chief said that she was struck on the head first. Either, Amy brings this up, also possibly a fall. So we don't know if she was struck on the head or even perhaps dropped if they're trying to get her out of this big tall window in the wine cellar. So we can get to that in a minute. But anyway, they decide that the blow, the fall, whatever, that the head injury definitely would have knocked her into unconsciousness what definitely could have led someone to believe she is dead she's limp she's she's not crying because she fell and got her head hit like it definitely would have knocked her into unconsciousness the strangulation came after the head blow or fall or whatever the head injury the strangulation did come after and they were able to determine just based on the swelling of her brain they could tell that the strangulation came second but they think while the head wound would have eventually killed her because her brain was bleeding that the strangulation actually did kill her. So she had like, what's it called? Like tekia, the uh-huh. hemorrhaging. Yes, like in her eyes, mm-hmm. like some things like that. So the thought is that the strangulation actually did kill her, but the head wound would have eventually killed her. And she was dying as a result of the head wound, but probably the strangulation is actually what killed her. Maybe a little more quickly than the head wound would. Right. They thought the rest of the scene was staged, including the vaginal trauma. Trauma, which we can get into in a minute and that's kind of the hardest part of the case to talk about but they thought that the rest of the scene was staged including that to make it look like you know a kidnapping or maybe an assault gone bad they kind of staged it a bit right so the autopsy we talked about the strangulation and the brain injury and then the part of the autopsy that nobody likes to talk about but they noted that she had abrasion and vascular congestion of the vaginal mucosa right but 
There, I mean, obviously, I don't know anything about vaginal mucosa. <laughs> However, it's widely known just because of the investigation that she had a problem with wetting the bed. She's a bed wetter. Right. And that she, you know, several times had, what is it called? Vaginitis. Yes, vaginitis. Kind of like a... <laughs> A UTI, maybe? Yeah, I think it's just like redness. Kind of like a UTI. Like you don't wipe good. I mean, she's six. Bubble baths. So she had been diagnosed with vaginitis before. Her doctor says, you know, things like not wiping well. Again, bedwetting, sleeping in a wet pull-up. She wasn't in a pull-up the night she died, but she did wet the bed the night she died. So there Mm -hmm. was urine on her underwear and urine in her sheets. But they did find like a pack of pull-ups either in her room or by where Patsy was packing for the big red boat. So probably because they had put her to bed asleep, they didn't stick one on her that night, but she did sleep and pull up sometimes. And so sleeping in a wet pull up for six hours or whatever. So definitely all those things. It's it, it's it's common. It's fairly common in little girls. So they talked to John Benet's pediatrician, Dr. I don't know how to pronounce this. B-E-U-F. Boof. I'm going to say Boof. Boof. Francisco Boof. Sorry, Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Wrong. Super sorry, Dr. Boof. If we're <laughs> making your name um, sound different than it is. Anyway, Dr. Boof had seen them plenty. Um, just mm-hmm. like... John said, you know what? We have good insurance. So if they've got a cough or if they've got, you know, he saw them plenty. He knew them. He knew them well. They had two little kids and, you know, they went to see him for various things. He clearly, you know, had to testify and all of that. And you can find him on YouTube also talking about it. But he said he never saw any indication that John Bonet had experienced any kind of sexual abuse. Bert neither. And then he has to pay careful attention to signs of that as a mandatory reporter, as a doctor. Like he has to pay close attention to that, particularly if he is examining a little girl with vaginitis. Like, clearly he would make note if he thought, you know, in any way that her parents were doing anything, you know, sexually abusing her in any way. And he says, and this is a quote, but he says, I can tell you as far as her medical history is concerned, there was never any hint whatsoever of sexual abuse. He said he didn't see any uh, hint of emotional or physical abuse. He knew she was very much loved, just as he knew Burke was very much loved. And just as a pediatrician that he sees all sorts of children, he can normally tell whether a child is happy or undergoing a lot of stress in their life or whatever. And just that he said John Bonet was a wonderful, happy kid who he saw a lot of strength in because she had had to deal with some very tough situations with regard to her mom's illness and stuff. So he thought the world of John Bonet and he thought the world of Patsy and John. Yeah. And certainly a doctor who sees you several times a year picks up on funny business. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as much as it may sound weird that, you know, a six-year-old has been to a pediatrician who has had to look down there, but it's because of the vaginitis. And so obviously, I mean, he hasn't gone into like, you know, OBGYN status where they get, but he could, he would be able to tell if there was some sort of issue and he would tell somebody, I mean, obviously, like you said, he's a mandatory reporter. He would have to go and tell somebody. He would have to. And he had made reports on plenty of children before, so he let, you know, he released her medical records whenever they had to for the investigation or for the grand jury or whatever, and nothing Mm -hmm. was ever a part of her medical records that indicated any of that. So now let's talk about the ransom notes. Let's get off the autopsy because that's not the most pleasant thing to talk about. And let's go more to the ransom note. The ransom note's fascinating. So I think everybody has heard that like Patsy could have written that ransom note. 
Yeah. I think that's a common thought is that everybody knows John was eliminated, but uh, Patsy wasn't. So, well, and my thing is too, I mean, honestly, if I had children and one of my children died, like I could have written the ransom note. Sure. I mean, come on. Absolutely. Anybody in that house would be considered a suspect at the beginning. Right. They have to be. All the time. Always. Yeah. So, I mean, come on people. So the Boulder police, they hire four handwriting experts to look at this ransom note and the Ramseys go and hire two other ones, which frankly, they don't trust the Boulder police at this part and for good reason. Right. I mean, who would? They don't trust them. And we, Amy and I have talked about this, but I would never categorize the Ramseys as lucky under any circumstances. I think it was helpful for them in this situation that they were well. Yes. It's helpful. They're able to hire you know personal investigators they're able to hire handwriting experts and certainly it played to their advantage that they had money so they hired two independent handwriting experts also because they don't necessarily trust the boulder police all six of them all six of them so john was immediately eliminated none of the six of them can identify patsy as the author so and i just i learned this i didn't know this but apparently when you're doing handwriting analysis there's a scale of one to five so one is like yep you absolutely it's a match you did it and five is a no way you're there's no way it's you right so john was a five so they eliminated john i mean guess what patsy was was she a two was she a two where it looks like it but we can't say for sure but yep i think she was nope she could be a three there's a 50 50 we'll give her a three we'll give her a three maybe she was maybe she wasn't we don't really know i think the public was kind of led to believe she's kind of a maybe a three two yeah. or a three it looks close at least a 50 50 nope she was between a four and a 4.5 as a no so a five is a total elimination and she's at like a 4.25 just based on that alone i mean she's excluded to like a 90 percent an 85 to 90 percent chance of not being the writer of that ransom note right the public was never made aware of that yeah the public was they weren't the public was only told she could not be excluded therefore she was a possible writer of the ransom note yes i think they could look at my handwriting and give me a four to a 4.5 right i think yeah i mean it's just like we were talking about earlier like you could probably get and I hate to be this way, but you know, I mean, you look at the ransom note and it does look a little bit more feminine, maybe. Yeah, they did say that, that so, they felt like the writer was a woman. Right. So you could probably get a hundred women to write a hundred sentences from yeah. that note. And I'm sure most of them will have at least some yeah. similarity. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's what I mean. The four to 4.5 to me, you could give to almost any woman. Else. Right. I think you could. I don't think that. Basically, it meant nothing. So basically, it meant nothing. But all people were told that John was excluded and Patsy was not excluded. But for really all intents and purposes, Patsy was almost totally excluded. And that was never gone into detail. So, so of course, you know, all of this. I, I mean, 100%, I believe that the Boulder police were after them from the first minute. They were. And Did, have you seen the female investigator that was at the crime scene? Have you seen it? Yes. And it's been a while. Yeah. But I remember she's, she has these big eyes. You can look her up. I can't I can't think of her name, but you can find her real fast. But she pegged him as guilty right when she walked in. Mm-hmm. She already she had she knew John she said she knew John Ramsey did it, even just being in the home with him. How do you know that? Right. Have yeah. you looked at DNA yet? 
Have you looked at any of his history yet? Have you looked at anything yet? Or you just didn't like the way he was acting and you pegged him as guilty? So she said, she is talking to John. She was the investigator that said, oh, she's dead. That John said, is she dead? You know, and she said, yeah, she's dead. But she said as she's talking to John, she is counting the number of bullets in her pocket to make sure she had enough bullets if John like went crazy and stuff. She is insane. That's insane. Yeah. Has he ever in his whole life ever, by all accounts, by anyone he's worked with for dated, married, by all accounts ever, has anyone known him to be violent? Not even to be a yeller or a spanker, Patsy. I mean, they've all said like, no, dad never was- even... Just like a gentle giant. The kindest, most gentle man ever. Yeah. So I think she was crazy. And even to know that the investigator on this scene already decided in two hours of being there, he did it. That tells you how their investigation was slanted and focused on them from day one when the investigator walks out and says, John did it. Right. Of course they're looking at them and pretty much only them. I will say this. I thought this was kind of a blow to, you know, obviously the Boulder police are telling everybody the parents did it, the parents did it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the media reached out to his ex-wife and his um, his brother, his sister-in-law, you know, his children. Every single one of them categorically denied that he was or ever had been a child abuser. You know, both of his children his you know older children yep. they did interviews and said that he has always been a loving and gentle parent yep. i mean i know that they probably wanted to go to his ex-wife and they probably wanted her to be like oh yeah but yeah they did go to her and she said no right it's been a great dad yeah I, you know that was a blow to the police great but, parent uh, and, and ex-wife and even <laughs> yeah even a crappy ex-wife who felt like you know he i mean she could have lied too if he had been yeah. horrible you know she could have totally lied and been like oh yeah he's terrible you know he right xyz but she didn't she was totally honest it was like no he's been a great dad he never hit me he never hit th- he's been great so he's never shown any bone of violence literally no one from their past so, and this really does kind of include Burke, as in, you know, Burke's teachers or his friends also known from their past. So, college, talk to people from college, people from the pageant circuit, John's time in the service, Patsy's sorority sisters, church members from Atlanta, church members in Boulder. No one ever, 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 or even since this has happened, or even since they were exonerated, still ever has come out to say anything bad about him. Yeah. Nobody says anything bad about him. I mean, if anything, they say like, you know, some of the, I think like maybe the housekeeper who again, Amy will talk about later, but like, I mean that they were snobby. I mean, because I mean, you're kind of jealous of the millionaires who like, you know, like who have the private plane and whatever. So, I mean, snobby people aren't murderers. No. They're just rich. So they're maybe some people think they're snobby, but I mean, besides that, Unless you're a Menendez brother, and then you're a murderer. So. <laughs> you're a murderer. You're a rich, snobby murderer. <laughs> but seeing as how they were not Menendez brothers, no one's ever. No one's ever. And you know, Amy and I talked about this too, but especially now, everybody's in it for their five seconds of fame. And yes. I'm thinking about Chris Watts' girlfriend, how she's like mm-hmm. Googling how much money did Amber Fry make on her book. Yeah. You know, so like people know nowadays that like, ooh, I can get my five seconds. I'll come out and say, you know, whatever. They can say whatever they want to say. They can say that Burke admitted it or they can Mm -hmm. say that John dated me and sexually abused me or I found porn in John's office. They could say anything they want to say. It's, you know, his word, you know, their word versus, versus the Ramsey's word. And people know, people knew then and people know now that they can get their five seconds by coming out against the Ramsey's and yet 
No one. No one's ever. Yeah. I mean, the media loves loves that, that stuff. Have you ever heard anything come with out? the twentieth yeah. anniversary? I mean, the twentieth anniversary was big, y'all. Do y'all remember? Do you remember in twenty sixteen all the shows that came out? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I won't even say anything else. I'm just gonna say yeah. We'll talk about that more later as well. But <laughs> lots of shows came out on the twentieth anniversary, and that would have been a brilliant time for some creepy person to come out with some sort of evidence, and they didn't. Yeah. Nobody's ever had anything to say. At this time, you know, when the Boulder DA, they really want to they really want to find something on the Ramseys, I think. They want to find something and they're not finding anything. So they hire this guy named Lou Smith, and Lou Smith's going to play a big role in this investigation. So they hire him. He's a um, Colorado Springs homicide detective and he had actually retired, but he was excellent. He had solved yeah, yeah he had solved like over 200 murders and they knew he was excellent. So they hire him to help him work on the Ramsey case because he has this incredible, you know, resume and his job. So, you know, they give him a job and it was to examine the theory that one or both of the parents were involved in the crime. So they even sort of corner him into saying it's not just like, go figure out who did it. He didn't have this blank canvas to work with. He was just told, go find out if one or both of them were involved. And I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. You know, so he started looking at all the evidence and and, you know, really analyzing everything. And he 100% became convinced that someone had broken into the house. The Ramseys had absolutely nothing to do with it. I mean, I know, again, this is a blow to the Boulder police. Yep. Because there are, The hits you know, keep on coming to the Boulder police. Right. And so, you know, he goes back. He gives his report. There's no way that the Ramseys did it. This is an intruder. Yep. And, you know, the police, you know, they're still like, nope, he's wrong. You know, we're going to keep going after the parents. And they basically told him, you know, sorry, yeah. thanks, but no thanks. Yes. Yeah. You, you just kind of keep quiet. Yeah. They kind of keep him on the sidelines. So finally, he just resigns in protest in September of 98. They're still wanting him to find something on the Ramseys. They're wanting something he's not giving them. And he just resigns. He just says, I'm done. They didn't do it, and I'm done. So this is interesting, though. So the Ramseys privately hire him a little bit later to continue investigating the case. So they hire him themselves. And he worked the case until he died in 2010. So he worked this case for like 12 years. And when he passed, his family found several notebooks and boxes of notebooks in his room and that he literally pursued solving this crime until he died. Like even on hospice, he was still pursuing this crime. And the family had come to love the Ramseys. The mm-hmm. Smith family had come to love the Ramsey family and they actually had John deliver the eulogy at Lou Smith's funeral. So, I mean, they were tight. Yeah. They were really tight. And uh, so I think it's worth asking too, like, so the Ramseys pay him. The Ramseys funds become limited. Yes, they are millionaires, but John said, we are bleeding money. They're paying yeah. investigators. They are paying, you know, handwriting analysts. They are bleeding money in this process of trying to prove themselves innocent. So I want to know this. Why are they continuing to pay him for 12 years out of their very limited resources? Because John is really not even being able to find a new job after this. He's a liability. Yeah. Nobody's hiring the murderer, the sexual abuser, whatever. Why are they still paying him out of their very limited resources if they know they did it? If yeah. they know they did it, if they know Burke did it, why would they keep paying him to figure out who did it? That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. nobody's going to deplete. I mean, okay, maybe I should rephrase this. Nobody is going to purposefully give all of their money away for many, many, many 
many years right. to prove their innocence. You know, I mean, I get some people, you know, if I got arrested for something, I mean, my family doesn't have, you know, the money like they did. Six so. million dollars? Yeah. You don't have a net worth no. of six million dollars? I wish. Man. I probably have six that million pennies. Stinks. Um, I might have Not six, even that. Yeah, I might have six million that, I think that's even I'd have many. to add up how much that was. Because, yeah. like, anyway, <laughs> we, we probably don't have it either. But anyway. But it's just, you know, I mean, my family, yes, they would go broke defending me. Quickly. And, yeah. But it would only be two or three months. It wouldn't be. Right. 12 years. Right. 12 years. And the thing is also during that time, so Amy and I have discussed this as well, but remember when OJ was exonerated and it was his first, I guess, interview after he was, um, you know, proclaimed innocent or whatever. But he said, I'm going to fight. I vow to fight, you know, that spend the rest of my life pursuing Nicole's killer. And he, you know, offered up, you know, some money to anybody who found the killer. But he said, I, I promise I'm going to use the rest of my life to find the killer. I mean, have we ever seen him ever pursuing Nicole's killer? No. I mean, we've never seen that. Nobody he was found stealing yeah, memorabilia. Exactly. That's all that happened was he was found stealing memorabilia and trying to earn money because his... Again, his resources were limited, so no. So it makes me think of that. So he vowed to do that and didn't. Well, what? I mean, nobody knew that Ramsey's kept paying Lucement for 12 years either. It wasn't like they were doing it to make a big show out of it so people would think they were innocent. Oh, we're still paying Lucement because we're so innocent. Nobody even knew that. Let's just say that they went to the media and said, yes, you know, this is what we're doing. The media doesn't care about that. They no. want the big story. They've already found They're them not gonna... guilty and that, yeah. It yeah. wouldn't have even been a big deal. So I just think there's no way out of their limited funding they continue to pay Lucement for 12 years when they know they did it or Berg did it. Yeah. That would have been stupid. Right. They're not stupid people, y'all. No. And then it's so sad because, you know, John talked about how they basically were the subject of the paparazzi. I mean, everywhere they went, there were cameras. Imagine. You know, they would go to the grocery store. There'd be all these tabloids. There'd be pictures of John Bonet. I mean. Her autopsy photos were on the cover of, I want to say, National Enquirer. Right. Patsy said at the grocery store, when they would get into the checkout line, and Burke, particularly when Burke was with her, she would have to turn everything over real fast to, like, have have him stand there while she flipped over any covers of magazines or tabloids so he didn't see like there were the cover of some that said like daddy's little plaything or something and pictures of her in you know her some of her pageant costumes or whatever autopsy photos on the cover of magazines so they didn't even feel like they could go to convenience stores or grocery stores particularly with Burke because, yeah, magazines and tabloids are eating it up. Right. It's the story of the day. So, I mean, and Burke still says he remembers. Um, so, they never lived in that home again. So, they lived with family friends from December until they finished out the school year. Burke had been through enough, and they wanted Burke to at least be able to finish the school year um, with his friends. So, they lived with family friends. But he says he remembers just TV trucks and paparazzi and stuff in the yard of their friends and he had there had to be a security officer at the school where he was and people would try to take pictures of them everywhere um and then it was just a really what a terrible way to grow yeah. up like what a weird and what and I thought what great friends to let them live there for four months when literally their yard is full of like and back then too it's not you know they weren't recording people on phones they were like satellite trucks yeah they caught people digging through their trash where they lived there were people constantly digging through their trash trying to tap their phone lines I mean letting the Ramseys live with you during that period that's a big sacrifice but all their friends loved them and yeah. knew they were innocent and then 
then, I mean, just proving again that they, you know, their life was crazy by all this media and everything. I mean, they, then they build the house in Atlanta. Yeah. And moved to Atlanta. Right. And there was two doors, yep. I guess, the front and the back yep. door. And then had a crazy security system. Like the top of the line security right. system and it installed in the Atlanta house. They only wanted, like Amy said, went on, you know, two doors, one in, you know, an instant next. An entrance and an exit, like a front door and a garage or whatever. Very few windows, open concept, crazy security system. Not a huge house at all. They felt unsafe by the, you know, when they thought about it with all of the different rooms and stuff in Boulder. So a regular sized, very open concept, incredibly high security system house. Right. And who would do that? I mean, why do they yeah. do that? If who they would were, do that yeah. if they were guilty? I mean, come on, people. You're rich and you're moving and you go buy another fabulous house. Like, yeah. why do you decide to have this much smaller, crazy security system house? Like, why would they even do that? Why would they spend all the money with this crazy security system? And why would they feel insecure if they know who did it? They wouldn't be scared. No. We did it. We're not scared. Why would they build their house like that in Atlanta? Right. So, there, some of y'all may have read this book. Have you read Perfect Murder, Murder, Perfect Town? No. Oh, Amy. I know. So Perfect Murder, Perfect Town is probably the best known book about this case. Lawrence Schiller wrote it. It's probably the best known book about this case. John and Patsy wrote a book a few years after the murder, um, Death of Innocence, when Patsy was still alive. And then John wrote a book that I'm not being able to come up with the name of right now, but John wrote a book a couple of years ago, past Patsy's death. But the most famous book about the case is Perfect Murder, Perfect Town. And really the consensus of Perfect Murder, Perfect Town is that John and, and or Patsy did it, that someone in the family did it. But so one of the journalists, I guess, written about in Perfect Murder, Perfect Town his name was Jeff Shapiro and he so he claims to convert from Judaism he's Jewish he claims to convert to Christianity and order to attend the Ramsey's church. So he wants background info on the Ramsey. So he goes and meets with the Ramsey's pastor and says, I'm Jewish, but I'd like to become a Christian and I'd like to join your church and can you help me? So he wants to become like a regular attender of the church, like basically to spy on the Ramseys. Right. And so of course the Ramseys were really close to their pastor and of course the pastor is He's not doing interviews. He's not like, you know, so of course he's suspicious of anyone at this point, but he believes this guy who wants to convert. And so uh, this this Jeff Shapiro, he starts attending the Ramsey's church um, in Boulder. And so he says, and this is his quote, he says, I've never seen anyone pray for his own soul the way Patsy was praying for her. So he's watching Patsy pray in church and apparently, you know, she weeps during church and she prays with her hands held up high or whatever, which particularly from these parts of town, like that's not weird. No. Your daughter was killed and you're crying while you're praying and you're begging for her killer to be found and it's not weird. But anyway, so he says, at that moment, watching Patsy pray in such a fashion, and I guess also being Jewish, you're not used to seeing people pray like that, you know, mm -hmm. hands, hands held up, you know, possibly in tears, whatever. I guess you're not used to seeing that. But he says, when I saw her praying at that moment, I decided she was the killer. He decided it. So he decided it. Right. So the female investigator at the case didn't like how John was acting. She decided John's, uh, John's the killer. This Jeff Shapiro, he watches Patsy pray. He decides she was the killer. How are all these people just deciding they know who the killer was? He just decided. Yeah. So Lauren Schiller writes about that in the book. He thinks that's a valid... That's a valid point. Yeah, he says she was praying in such a fashion that he thought she was the killer. She could definitely be the killer. How can you say this stuff? I know. 
It's, it is insane. How can you say this stuff? It's just, it's so wrong. It's so wrong. So, um, y'all probably, y'all probably know this. I feel like most people know this, but so they did convene a grand jury in 1999 to indict. So the, the grand jury, you know, after reviewing the evidence or whatever, they do vote to indict the parents of John Binet on charges of child abuse resulting in death. Did you know that? I did. Okay. But that's weird. It, yeah. It's, it's very weird. That's weird. They yeah. saw a lot of evidence and they voted to indict him. So that's weird. But here's the kicker. The DA, the Boulder DA, doesn't sign the indictment. So they can't indict them without the signature of the DA. And he says, no, I'm not signing it. But I mean, think about it. Smith yep. was working for him. Smith said, there is no way this is not happening. And obviously, this district attorney, Alex Hunter, I yep. believe, like... He obviously 100% trusted Smith and yep. he says, no, I, I'm not, I'm not signing off yeah. on this. He said he knew. He said he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt because he knew all of the, like you said, he knew everything Smith had found. He knew all of the evidence. He said he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that they weren't going to be able to get a conviction and he wasn't going to do it. He wasn't mm-hmm. going to put the town through that, spend the money doing that. He wasn't going to do it. So the green, green jury proceedings in Colorado are kept secret. Are they kept secret everywhere? I think they're kept secret everywhere. Okay. I think you can't talk about it. So if you're on a grand jury like that, you know, you can't go around talking about what you heard or whatever. But one member of the jury does agree to talk to 2020 um, as long as 2020, you know, wouldn't, they would withhold his name and, you know, change his voice a little bit or whatever. But he talked to him and he said he did think there was enough evidence to probably indict them. You know, they voted to indict him. So he said, you know, there was some evidence who knows what it was you know the beauty queen stuff or the pineapple or the whatever they saw enough evidence but he said he didn't think either that they would have been convicted and this is a direct quote of the juror but he said there is no way after you know reviewing all the evidence i would have been able to say beyond a reasonable doubt this is the person john or patsy and so basically a juror did see all the evidence, all of the evidence that we're not even aware of. And he said, there's no way he would have ever been able to say that beyond a reasonable doubt, it was the Ramseys. And if you're a DA, you know, and you know that going in, it's just going to be a waste of taxpayer dollars to do it. So right. even, and you know, he, I mean, I was thinking this whenever we were talking about this while ago, like, um, because one of my favorite shows is called Justice. Yeah, I've seen Justice. Love yeah. Cold Justice. Yeah. And so one of the things in Cold Justice, you know, they Oh they Cold Justice is it's with Kelly Siegler. Kelly Siegler, yeah. The prosecutor or well, she was a prosecutor. She's not a DA, but she was a prosecutor. Right, a prosecutor in, here Houston. in Texas. Yeah. Yes. And then there was Yolanda McClary. I don't I haven't really watched the new one very much. I know it's something okay. different. Okay. But Yolanda McClary was a crime scene investigator from Las Vegas. Yeah. And actually Mark Helgenberger's character in CSI is based off of Yolanda McClary. Interesting. So yeah, it's interesting. really interesting. And so I know like in Cold Justice, you you know they go and they work all these cold cases i mean this could be 25 30 years ago i mean yeah. or it could be something two years sure ago, you know but they investigate and when they're done if they think that they have the evidence they go to the district attorney and the district attorney is like okay let me think about it and then i'll go to the you know grand jury right if the grand jury says yes then you know we'll go for it yeah we can so, get an indictment right and so my thing you know when we going back to what i was saying the da did not want to charge them so I wonder if he was getting flack from the sheriff or yeah. from the police chief like you have bet, to do this I bet he was. you have to go to the yeah. grand jury but then he can make that final decision yeah. of whether or not he's going to charge or you know go to trial yeah. and guess what I did 
what you asked me to do, but no, I'm not going to. That's brave. Yes. That is brave. Yes. He could have easily lost his job. He could have easily, that was really brave of him. So I think that was pretty neat because he knew all of the evidence and particularly everything Lewisman had found and he still said, no way. Where all the jurors, you know, I mean, I mean, everyone's poisoned by the media. Yeah. And back then in particular, like we were talking about, it's on the cover of every tabloid and it's on like hard copy. All those shows that used to be such a big deal before now social media, you know, you can find everything in five seconds on online. But back then everyone's like glued to hard copy and reading the National Enquirer and stuff. And I mean, they're, I think you're poisoned. I think by living in Boulder and seeing pageant pictures and, you know, autopsy photos and daddy's little plaything or whatever, I think they're, they're just, yeah, I think they were just poisoned and they had probably like this, you know, like this guy said in Perfect Murder, Perfect Town, you know, I knew just by looking at her, she was guilty. So I have to wonder how many people on that jury came into it already knowing they were guilty. Right. They came into it, I think, with their minds made up. Yeah. I mean, if the investigator at the crime scene had her mind made up immediately that it was John and, you know, this Jeff Shapiro had his mind up made up immediately that it was Patsy, I think the jurors probably went in with their minds made up. Yeah. And the DA was the only one who was able to be objective and say, no, I saw all of the evidence and I know how people get convicted here or how they don't and there's no way. None. He was brave. Yeah. Thanks, Alex Hunter. Yes. You're the bomb.com. So I think this is where we're going to stop. There's a lot, y'all. There is so much. We still have Burke to talk about. We still have the alternate suspects to talk about. There are a lot of alternate suspects. They're going to shock you. I mean, and I feel like I know a lot about this case, but Amy came up with a lot of stuff about alternate suspects that I'm shocked by. And now I feel like maybe I know who did it. I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you. We'll ever all find out. I don't think we're ever going to know. I absolutely don't think we're ever going to know. And Amy and I talk about this too, but I love true crime mysteries in particular. Like ones where we, I think like Ted Bunny. That's fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. But you know who did it. And so I really love of these mysteries where you don't really know who did it and you might never know who did it. So I think the fun thing about a mystery is that you don't know who's right and wrong. Like I could be right, I could be wrong. You could be right, you could be wrong. No one's ever going to prove it, but I'm going to tell you if you think John, Patsy, or Burke did it, you're, you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> we just think you're wrong. Yes. So we want you to listen and see how you feel about it. But something that I would love, I'm not sure how this operated before, before I came on board, but we want to hear what you think. Tell us what you think about this case. I'm going to go onto Facebook personally and put some photos on it and put some information on it. And we really want to hear what you guys think. And so apparently there's, I'm still going, sorry. So apparently like that's well known amongst like crime junkies who thrive on this case. So apparently there's three camps by like people who are totally obsessed with this case, which I, I'm super interested in this case, but I mean, I think these might be the people who like live in their parents' basement and just like read and watch everything they can possibly find on it. So there's three camps. There's the RDI camp, which is the Ramsey's did a camp. There's the BDI camp, Berg did it. And there's the IDI camp, the intruder did it. So I mean, I clearly are IDI. We think the intruder did it. But with all of that said, we're dying to know what you guys think too. And if any of this changed your mind, or of course, you know, you'll have to listen to the next part and let us know too. But I am always fascinated to hear what people think about this case, particularly when they observe all the evidence and don't just, you know, think what they remember from 20 years ago. So we really 
want to know what you think. So please go to our Facebook page, which is 10-96 Crime Chicks Podcast. Okay. On Facebook. Search yes. that up. Like it. And we're going to post some pictures and stuff. And we really want to hear what you have to say. Twitter is at 96 Crime. So, I mean, I'm not as up to date with Twitter as I am. I like Twitter, but I'm excited to really use Facebook as hopefully being able to talk a little bit with our listeners and like get their opinions. And you might be totally RDI. And I want you to tell me why you are because I want to investigate why you think that because maybe even though I think you're wrong like what if you change my mind so we really want to hear what you guys have to think too right and now we have Instagram and it's 1096 crime chicks so that's our Instagram our email is 1096 crime chicks at gmail.com and let us I know what, that's it yeah let us know what you think yeah We'll do a poll or something. Um, ooh, interesting. I love it. Okay. So thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with the new girl, y'all. Go kind. She's awesome. Go kind on the comments about the new girl. <laughs> I don't have a very thick skin like Amy, I'm afraid. So anyway. She's good. You can be honest. Okay. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Have a good one. Bye.